Hey, hey, party people, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morcus, and today I sit down with Charlie Hopert, who's the co-founder of Charisma on Command. Charisma on Command is a channel dedicated to helping individuals increase their, you got it, charisma. So that could be things like leadership and presence and power and influence and all these other subsets, so to speak, of charisma. So in a lot of ways, it's a self-help, self-improvement channel. But unlike a lot of self-help or self-improvement YouTube channels, Charlie's been able to build Charisma on Command into an over 1 million person following on YouTube. So Charlie knows a thing or two about growing a YouTube community and a YouTube channel. And we talk about that in today's conversation and more broadly about his business and business model and how he was able to turn a YouTube channel into a successful, cash-flowing, very profitable business. And it's a very, very interesting story, in my opinion. For anybody who's been curious or interested in dabbling in YouTube, this is a no-brainer. But I think even if you're not curious or interested in YouTube, you need to listen to today's conversation because I think there are some gems that Charlie gives us when it comes to how we create content that is appealing and attracts the customer, the target customer you're looking to attract. My big takeaway from today's conversation is on that point, and it's specifically why format matters, why the format of your YouTube videos matters, or why the format of your podcast or blog or whatever it is that you're doing matters. So what is format? Well, it's the way you structure and present information online. In a world that is so noisy, there's just so much competition, and there's, and specifically when we're talking about YouTube, but you could pick any channel, any medium, you're going to find a dozen videos or a dozen pieces of content on any particular topic. So what makes a piece of content stand out? Well, Charlie's hypothesis is that the format is what matters most. And he articulates three common ways to structure your format on a YouTube video, but I think you could take these same ideas to a podcast or any other kind of content you're producing. And he also takes us behind the scenes of how one specific type of format he used was what led to his tremendous growth and something that added hundreds of thousands of subscribers to his YouTube channel. So no matter what you're doing online, whether it's YouTube or not, if you're creating any kind of content, if you're in the content marketing space, or you want to use content to attract people, to attract your potential target customer, to build trust, then I think this idea of format is going to be particularly useful for you. I know I've listened to this conversation a couple times and have taken notes, and I hope you do the same. So without further ado, let's get to today's conversation. So Charlie, the way I want to kick things off is to get to know a little bit of your backstory. For those who aren't versed in what you do, of course, it's Charisma on the Command, and it's a platform that has over a million subscribers, which is pretty remarkable. But I think it's even more remarkable because you haven't been doing it for that long in the grand scheme of things. So give some context how you actually got started with this new platform. Yeah, so we'd had the, the business itself has taken on many iterations, and it, it, it grew out of a muse business, the idea of four-hour work week. We started a business on parkour, wasn't interested in that, that bombed out. Uh, and Charisma on Command came about five years ago, but it was only roughly two and a half that we actually started this YouTube channel. And the first two years, we saw growth that was barely enough to feed me in Latin America. But once the YouTube channel came online, the business tripled within 30 days. Uh, and so what we do basically grew out of a need in my own life. I was really, really shy growing up, didn't know how to make friends, was not particularly good at talking to women. And I started writing about these things later in life on the blog. So that was kind of the onset of the business. And where it really took off is when rather than just writing about it, which is, you know, okay, whatever, uh, we had these videos where we would 
call out the specific things that people were doing that were making them get the results they were getting. So one of the first videos we ever did was on Bill Clinton's eye contact, which is legendary. I mean, people tell you that when he looks at you, it feels like you're the only person in the room and you just want to like dote on him, fall in love with him. And then he remembers your name after 40 minutes of interacting with other people. So we started doing those kind of breakdowns. We did Conor McGregor. We did Donald Trump during his presidential run. We did a series on the characters of Game of Thrones and what makes them successful or not successful at persuading people in those power games. And that was kind of what got our channel going. We're at 1.6 million on YouTube right now for our English channel. We actually have a number of foreign language channels, which total another million subscribers or so. And it's, it's been fantastic. It's been incredible for the business that feeds our online course. And just also it's, to the point where now where, you know, I get people, lovely individuals like you who reach out to me uh, out of the blue, which is which is great. So I want to backtrack a little bit. You said that this the, the YouTube channel actually wasn't where you began. You began with something else. So what did you guys start with? And then why did you decide to go and dive into the YouTube uh, space? Yeah, so we started, we did some in-person classes. And those were really fun because you get to interact with people. But obviously, that's not at scale because we're, we're only able to get 10 or so people in the early stages of our business. Then we did some blog stuff, and that was just what was popular at the time. That was all that I knew, and that was kind of what the four-hour work week had spoken about. That, that was useful. It built up in initial over two years. We had an email list of, I don't know, five, 6,000 people, and we, I was able to make enough money to live in a small apartment in Latin America, and we traveled it around a bit. But it was the YouTube channel that really clicked, and that was after trying a ton of different things. I mean, we tweeted for a while. We, we played around with Pinterest. I had no specific insight that YouTube was going to work except that I posted one video, forgot about it. It was this Bill Clinton video on eye contact and came back to it months later, and it had 100,000 views, which for us was incredible. And that kind of was – that was just the proof that this is where it was. Did you set any expectations early on or any goals you were like in terms of like your thought process of starting this? I know part of it was like, hey, I'm I'm kind of uh, doing something to scratch my own itch. I'm I'm I have my own challenges here in this space. So I want to improve personally, but from a uh, an audience building perspective, when you went into these different uh, we'll say marketing channels, whether it's social media, eventually YouTube that did blow up, what were what were you expecting to happen when you moved into these spaces or what what was your thought process at least as you moved into them? I was always expecting no one to listen. <laughs> uh, I I remember a couple of these. Reddit was one of the first ones that got any kind of traction. We would share our our blog posts there. And the Reddit community, while I'm super, super thankful because some of them embraced us, it can be pretty harsh. So I had always expected to get kind of a, some pushback, uh, not a lot of people really loving what you were doing, hearing more about the things that weren't going well. And in terms of the audience size, I didn't think that there was anything that was truly going to just triple our business in a month. And that was one of the biggest things that I took away that I try to tell other people, which is uh, if you're doing the same thing and you're getting this kind of linear growth or even you're starting to plateau, the answer is often not to optimize within the platform that you are currently on. The answer is to try something completely new. And we did, we had a list of a number of things and YouTube was third or fourth on there. But the first three did nothing. And then YouTube, I mean, God, at this point, it's six to eight X star business since we started. And it, it, it was totally unexpected. I love that as a learning point because it reminds me of this concept of A-B split testing. 
and the value of A-B split testing for sure. But it's interesting when I have conversations about that with clients or we're working on things like that, I think the natural tendency is to move towards how do we like make these optimizations? Like if we tweak some of this text, what's going to change here? But the reality is that only works if, you, if things are already working out and you want to get to that next like half percent um, improvement. But if you haven't gotten in traction, I love that idea. It's like, what's the new, what's the next thing you could do that's really completely different in a way or a new platform that hasn't really been tapped into and let's see what we can do with that. Which leads me to my next question for you. When you went into those different ones, like how did you know that you had engaged that platform the right way before you said, okay, let's try some new avenue. Like Twitter's not working out, now let's try YouTube. So we would set basically short-term goals and they would be typically a number of weeks, and we would just measure the results that we've gotten after that period of time and compare it to what else we could do. And so I knew what I could get in terms of writing an article, how much time it took, sharing it on Reddit. Maybe a good article would get 10,000 hits to our website. It would have X amount of emails captured. And so we would test. So we'd tweet every you know couple of, couple of times a day for several weeks and then measure what had happened. And nothing happened with Twitter that was remarkable. Same sort of thing on Pinterest. We were posting images. And YouTube, again, it really snuck up on us. But the initial thing that I promised was just to do, I think, a video a week for uh, a month or two, which was only four to eight videos. And then when those went really well, I said, okay, I'm going to do a video a week for an entire year. Like I promised it was the year of 2016. I said there will be at least one video every single week. And it was those little short sprint tests and then pull back and see how it went projects that have that have been the kind that we've always done and that let us cut the bad ideas quickly while also testing a wide variety of different things. So for instance, now we'll test animated videos and we did a run of a couple different styles of animated videos. One artist's videos never caught on, another one's did. And so we're going back to him and we're going to do another one with him probably in the next couple of weeks. Mm, I like that. So you kind of focus in on like the short sprints. You do that over the course of several weeks or maybe a couple months or something like that. And then you kind of zoom back out and look at how things are going in terms of like your next steps. Is that kind of your thought process? Totally, totally. And I think to your question, the point is at the first time you tweet, the first time you make a YouTube video, you're not going to do it right. You're not going to do it excellently. So I'm just trying to find that sweet spot where I can learn enough about it to do it at about as good as I'm going to get. It's never going to be perfect within just a few weeks, but it's going to give a solid understanding of what of what a real attempt for me looks at. And then I can measure, okay, how do these results stack up compared to the myriad other things that I could be doing? Mm, I like that. When it came to the business itself, like the business model, like these are all interesting aspects of how you were, were able to drive and continue to drive traffic, for example. And then you mentioned in passing that you do have a course that you sell. Was that always part of the plan? Like in terms of like the actual business model behind this, was it always, hey, we're going to eventually sell a digital product? Did you roll out some sort of info product right from the get-go? Um, how did that kind of uh, come about? So it, the, the business evolved. I'm really happy with the way that it evolved because it was first, it was around a a subject matter that I was personally interested and fascinated by. And two, it evolved to not make the maximum amount of money, but to support our life. So very early in the business, it was started actually when I was living in New York City, we had all of our money came from in-person clients. We were interacting with individuals on a one-on-one -on -one, or my partner and I, sometimes it would be he and I on a two-on-one -on -one basis with these clients and they were paying us. At the time, it was a really high hourly fee for us, which was like 100 to 200 bucks an hour to help them. And we 
were making enough to live in New York and actually wound up firing all of our clients because we had gotten previously clear that the dream was not just to have a successful business, but to have one that enabled us to live and travel abroad. And so when it came time to go, okay, like we want to go abroad, we got to go to Brazil. The only way to do that was to let go of our in-person coaching program. So the next iteration was some of those guys, not all, stayed on as Skype clients. And we had a period of time where we were doing Skype coaching. And then from that evolved this sense that we're answering very similar questions. And I can almost predict what a person is going to come in and need. So why don't I just shoot a course that preempts these questions. When people say that they want coaching, I'll refer them to this course. And now that's a scalable thing that we can do. So it, it was probably like the third main business model iteration of this current business was the online courses. Very interesting. When you guys made this, when you started off in the consulting space, and I'm kind of curious about this, when I think about charisma and this, it's one of those things where I see it broadly applicable to a lot of people, which makes I feel like something like that kind of difficult in terms of like honing in on how are we going to actually, you know, generate leads or uh, clientele, even in that first case. And then on the second case, from the broader course, like who exactly are we targeting? It's so broad. So I'm curious, when it, when, it, when you started with the consulting, like who were the types of people that were hiring you? Who were, who were the people finding you? And, and was that intentional? Like were you trying to get in touch with those people or were they just finding you? And then how did that evolve when you moved into kind of the digital space or the info product space? Yeah, so our customers also evolved. We started off, and again, I was a young man, and what was most called to me that I was terrible at was was dating. Uh, <laughs> you know, had no idea how to find someone that I was interested in. And at the time, there was this whole pickup artist community that didn't really jive with me. Uh, I'd learned, I'd learned to be more outgoing, and I'd learned how to talk from some of that. But there was a whole undercurrent of manipulation and lying and viewing the world as this sort of combative guys versus girls space. So. The the real thing that we began with was more along the dating lines, and then a lot of those clients, after a few sessions, would go, okay, this is interesting, but let's talk about work now. Like, I want to get a promotion, or let's talk about my friends. And what we found was the clients that we most enjoyed working with were the ones that, sure, maybe they showed up for dating, but very quickly had other interests, and it was it was work. It was being a leader in their group of friends, and the ones that we didn't necessarily love spending the most time with were strictly focused on dating over and over and over again. And it was just, they just wanted to, to date more women. Uh, and that was why we made this decision, which again, it was in the short term shrunk our business to shift away from dating and try to appeal more to this person that might find us because they were interested or they got rejected or because they had some woman that they had their eye on that that they didn't know how to approach. We took that guy as the avatar, interviewed a bunch of them who had been previous clients, friends of mine that were interested in the business and said, what do you guys actually care about? And what we realized was it wasn't dating. It was this term charisma. And they actually brought it up. They were the ones that said, I, I want charisma. I want to be the guy that people notice when he walks into any room for networking. I want people to ask me to be the one who speaks at their wedding. Like I want, I just want that sort of uh, magnetic presence. And we realized that there was an unserved market. It's, it's not very clear how people find it, but that was something that they were very curious to develop in themselves if they thought that there was a place that could help them do it. And that was when we shifted our name actually to Charisma on Command to what it had been previously, which was something that I came up with in my bedroom, which was Kick-Ass Academy. 
Uh, and that was a joke because people thought that it was like a dojo or something. It was the worst name ever. Uh, but that's how it was command. Yeah, I'm not sure it would be what it is today if you hadn't made the, uh, the if you hadn't done a rebranding. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. It would be, and what we we saw the name again, so important. We might even rebrand again, but it, it served for a period of time. Kickass Academy appeals to who I was, which was a young 20s guy sort of bucking the trends, not doing what he was told, uh, feeling rebellious spirit. And it sounds lame to a mid-20s guy who's like, dude, grow up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that was, that was what we were realizing is we were alienating the types of people that we most wanted to draw in. And today I would say our clientele is, at this point, it's both men and women. It's probably 70, 30 guys to girls. And they tend to be mid to upper 20s professionals who are interested in charisma for a wide variety of reasons, starting some of them come in for dating, but some of them want a promotion. Some of them want to be leaders in their friend group. Uh, and others of them just see it as a thing that they might need in their entrepreneurial endeavors, right? When they're talking about their business, when they're selling to clients, they see that as something that can help them build rapport. Yeah. And so you have your, we'll say, flagship program. And once somebody purchases that, do they have other opportunities to work with you or do you have other products or services? Uh, how does, how is that structure right now? Yes. Yeah, so what we're realizing, and these are, these are, it's funny because these are all the questions we're grappling with. We have a number of courses. The flagship one is Charisma University. That's what I would describe as general charisma. And a strength and a weakness of its position in the market is that it's general charisma, which is not something people wake up begging to learn about, like say dating is for instance, or how to get the six pack abs. Uh, but it's, it's strong because there's no competitors in that space and we certainly own it. We have other courses that are on emotional mastery. Uh, that's kind of, again, it's a weird course. I think it's incredibly valuable, but it doesn't speak to a market need. It's more about my own journey to be internally satisfied with my life rather than seeking external money, attention from other people, validation in the form of subscribers, uh, and, and the exercises that have worked for me just to feel more happy and joyous independently of what is going on in my results in my outside world. Uh, so that's another course. We have a course on dating, and we are currently adding a junior coaching program whereby we take graduates of our course, we train them for a period of time, and then allow them to to serve as one-on-one -on -one coaches to people who, who buy that as an upsell. And so right now we've just got our first guy. It's the coaching program is very much in its infancy, but it seems to be something people are very interested in. Interesting. Okay. So you guys are moving into a space where you would essentially provide licensed coaches, so to speak. Yes. And I think that that is a, a great potential avenue for us. Cause when, when I think about the business, ultimately what I want to do is even more than, than earn more than we do today is, hang out with more people that I enjoy spending time with and getting to talk to some of your most successful students, train them into coaching, provide them an avenue whereby they're making money. They can now leave their job in the same style that I did go abroad. Cause you can do this from anywhere you're on Skype. Uh, that sort of stuff is very, very appealing to me. And it's the, we've had three initial coaching clients. And the big thing that they've all said is that it's been very impactful to have that one-on-one -on -one person there to answer questions and that accountability is is massive for making any sort of lasting change very interesting okay and so youtube's still working out well for you guys is that something like is there a new channel that you're looking at tapping into are you experimenting with other channels or or are you like just doubling down going this direction yeah so i feel we are a one engine business right now and that can be scary 
YouTube is humming along, but there's no guarantee that's going to last forever. And so we are looking to, because YouTube is 100% organic for us, we want something that is paid. So we've looked into Facebook ads. I know that's a very hot space that is growing. It's getting more expensive. I don't know how long it's going to be available, but we're exploring that. Uh, we, I definitely want a second engine, and I don't know what it is yet. That's where we're at. I'll have to listen to more of your show. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Awesome, man. Well, that's very, very cool. In terms of like when you talk, I'm sure a lot of people ask you about YouTube, about your platform, how you've grown it. It, it, you have this exponential growth. I think that's occurred that makes it, it makes it, it makes you remarkable in what you've done. What are some of the tips you typically give somebody who's just starting out or trying to get traction with maybe a platform that they've, they've built in terms of like, Hey, I'm not getting the traffic or I'm not, you know, I feel like people aren't paying attention to me. Yes. So number one is the format. Uh, I posted before even that Bill Clinton video, some videos of me standing in my apartment talking about body language. Those videos did nothing because I was an unrecognizable person on YouTube without incredible anything, lighting, whatever. The format of the Charisma Breakdown is really what broke through. And I was able to ride uh, the trends, you know, Donald Trump, Conor McGregor, because I was speaking about them. So the first thing is really to look at the potential formats that you could do and see how they, they might fit with your industry on YouTube. So just to give you an idea, there's the talking head format. That one is probably the hardest because if you if you don't have a name, there's no necessary reason to watch you at the beginning. There's the interview format. Interview format, very popular on podcasts. You can kind of ride off the uh, clout of your guest if they're big on YouTube. There's the breakdown format. Breakdown, you could do this in business, right? You could talk about Bill Gates. You could talk about why Steve Jobs was so successful. Uh, I like this format. This is the one that really grew our business tremendously. Uh, and one of the values is the second point, which is YouTube is a recommendation engine before it's a search engine. So when you're tapping and thinking about what sort of content to make, it needs to be something that is eminently clickable and hopefully is following some sort of trend. So if you think of all the people and all those things that I mentioned, Donald Trump, not only was he surging during his run, he's been in the news forever. So not only did we get a huge influx of views initially, we continue to get views on those videos. Same thing with Conor McGregor. We get a new spike every time he shows up in the news. Game of Thrones is in a low point right now, uh, but we got one more season, and I'm going to watch all of the views on those videos surge again. So that's the other thing is if you can find a topic that is both trending and has some evergreen staying power, that's very powerful. But when you're early, prioritize trending, in, in my opinion. Get those subscribers in. Uh, and the last thing is you need to bring the initial in uh, 10,000 subscribers, let's say, to YouTube. We've all, or a lot of people in business, have posted a video to YouTube only to hear crickets. And that's why Reddit for us was so useful. I'd, I'd been on Reddit for two years. I understood the community, and I knew what subreddits would be interested in our content. So I shared some of the videos that we made, and that got us our first five to 10,000 subscribers. And at that point, now the YouTube algorithm is serving your videos to a much wider audience, right? They're saying, oh, this person has never seen or heard of it. They didn't come from Reddit, but let's put it on their homepage because they match the demographics of the type of person who is watching this, perhaps coming from Reddit. Uh, so those are the three biggest things to start to, start to build it. And that, just to reiterate, would be uh, checking your format and experimenting following these trends, noticing what's doing well on YouTube, and finding a way to source off-platform from your email list, from other forums, whatever, the first 
10-ish thousand subscribers. And that's how you can see crazy growth. Man, I love it. Charlie, thanks for dropping the gold here, man. I know that's going to be useful for anybody exploring that space. I am right now, but I'm really hesitant, you know, because I just know the effort it takes. And I see like what you're doing and some other people who I admire in the space, what they're doing. And it's like, I know it's not easy. And you guys have it's what seems like lockdown, you know, to a science, but I appreciate this. I think these are great tips that anybody can take and implement right away. So thank you for that. Totally, man. Do Elon Musk if you're at all interested in business. I'm just going to tell you, he's he's the guy. He's trending every couple of months with the rocket launch and not going anywhere. So if you do one on his time management, I promise you, you'll you'll see some love. Oh, I love that. Great idea, man. Well, I really appreciate it. So for people that are interested in finding out more about you, checking out your work, where should they go? You guys should go to, I would check out the YouTube channel first. So you can just search us on YouTube, Charisma On Command. Uh, and if you want to watch any of those videos that I mentioned, our breakdowns are what we're very well known for, but you might also see some with my face on it. I like those, but <laughs> <laughs> but maybe biased. Yeah, yeah. You can, if you enjoy the breakdowns, then check out the ones where I'm where I'm chatting. Awesome. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for being on in the trenches. All right, thanks, man. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you want to check out today's show notes, just go to tommorcus.com/podcast. And if you're interested in growing your online business, if you'd like to generate the type of traffic, leads, and sales that Charlie's generating right now, I encourage you to go to tommorcus.com slash academy. That's academy, as in A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Go to tommorcus.com slash academy, and I'm going to share with you a process I use to help people just like you start and grow profitable online businesses. In the past 12 months alone, I've helped dozens of entrepreneurs start and grow sustainable and profitable online businesses. On that page, you're going to see some of the case studies of these individuals, people who are starting out with just an idea, who were ready to throw in the towel and decided, you know what, I'll take one more chance, I'll work with Tom, we'll see what happens. And on that page, you're going to see how some of these individuals generated 70 grand in a week, or how one person generated $22,000 in a three-week period, or how another did six figures in a niche that you really wouldn't expect. So if you're interested in generating results like that, go to tomworkus.com slash academy. Follow the directions on the page, and I'll be in touch with you very soon.